Hey, hi, desert. The rumors are true. A Comic-Con style event is coming to the San Bernardino County Fairgrounds on February 8th. The doors open to the public at 10 a.m., but sensory sensitive ticket holders get to enter an hour earlier. What do you get for your $20? Get your picture with the 501st Legion, or meet your favorite celebrities such as Marion Gigliani, star of Kevin Smith's Clerks, Lisa Wilcox, who is Alice from Nightmare on Elm Streets 4 and 5, Greg Berg, the voice of Donatello from the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, and Jennifer Nash from Star Trek The Next Generation will be there for pictures and autographs too. But we're not finished there as we offer live podcasts, separate cosplay contests for adults and for kids, multiple tabletop gaming tournaments are taking place as well, along with vendors to meet your consumer needs. You want more? You got more with a full card of professional wrestling as hometown native Blake Grayson takes on current MLW Openweight Champion Hammerstone for the JPWI World Heavyweight title. Come join us at the first annual Jayzo Mons Pop Culture Expo. For tickets, pick them up in person in Apple Valley at Cricket Wireless at 760-247-6634 in Hesperia at Comic Cult HD at 760-998-2730 or in Victorville in two locations, one at Linebreakers on 7th, 760-951-8406 or Geekdom Toys Comics and Gaming off Bear Valley and Ridgecrest Road. 760-983-1374 or go to PCEHD.com for more information and we will see you there. And now enjoy this free Jason Modcast show. Hey there, this is Ralph Garman and you are listening to the World of Mythbits. You made an excellent choice. The World of Myth Bits. Hey everybody, and welcome to The World of Myth Bits, episode 65. Still in Florida. <laughs> um, you have to pardon the voice and the congestion. I'm still battling whatever it is that I picked up. Um, pretty sure it's just allergies because I don't feel sick, but I got a stuffed up nose and I haven't had any coronas, so it's not a virus. <laughs> Too soon, maybe? <laughs> anyway, um, so yeah, you're getting the uh, husky... One nine hundred voice, <laughs> choking, coughing, dying—you know, all those good things. Okay, so it is uh, a few days until PCE, and I have some housekeeping. If the boss man would stop messaging me so that I don't lose the housekeeping. Okay, so housekeeping. PCE is coming up in, I guess I probably should have pulled up the um, counter and let you know how many days until it's coming up. Because he's got, if you go to the, to the PCE website, which I apparently am not because I clicked the wrong link because I am, I, you have to, I'm, I'm a little brain fried this week. Because I have been on a mass 
writing binge. I am at the very end of my ghostwriting job and <clears throat> everything, you know, and how you reach the end of a story, how everything starts moving very quickly and you're tying up all the loose ends and there's the big scenes and all of this. That's where I am. I'm probably about 7,000, maybe 9,000 words, 10 max away from typing the words, the end. So I've been writing like six, seven hours a day, churning out anywhere between seven and 10,000 words. Um, today, so far, I've done about, um, probably close to 5,000 words today. Yesterday was about 7,000 words. So, um, and things are, are starting to move very, very quickly. So my brain is mush at the moment. <laughs> so please bear with me. Okay. Right. Housekeeping. See, I told you I mush. Um, no focus, none whatsoever. Okay. Housekeeping. Right. Oh, I got to focus. Maybe I should just start this. No, I'm not going to start this over. Okay. I'm also a little distracted because, um, the TV, I don't know if I told you this last week. I probably did, but where my bedroom is, it's just kind of the living room's been partitioned in half with these really short shower curtains. And, um, the TV is in here. It's the lower living room. It's, it's the, I guess you would call this the family room. And then you go up three little stairs and there's the living room in the kitchen. Uh, so mom and I sit every night and we watch a movie. And tonight we kind of watch two movies at the same time because the movie, the Harlequin or Hallmark movie that was on tonight, mom had already seen. And I was also watching Coyote Ugly, which is one of my all time favorite movies. So we were flipping back and forth in commercials between the two movies. <laughs> anyway, so we watch a movie every night. So I don't know. Oh, so I left the TV on. I don't know where I was going with this. Left the TV on and I was scrolled through and found Roadhouse. So now I have Roadhouse on. And as much as I do love Patrick Swayze and thought he was, think he was an incredible actor in his day and, you know, good looking and all of that. I tell you, there'll be blank spots when Sam Elliott comes on the screen because, man, oh, man, that is a fine-looking man. Even now on um, the TV show on Netflix that he's on, um, The Ranch, the dude's 70, okay? And he's still a good-looking man and funny as hell. I'm telling you, watch The Ranch. Check out The Ranch. It's hilarious. Not kid-friendly. Warning you now, not kid-friendly. Okay. Housekeeping. Holy I need somebody here to like redirect me. <laughs> I really do. Okay, so housekeeping. PCE. I'm going to um, make my announcement first because it's my podcast. Uh, PCE, my book eternally. I will be selling my book eternally bound. But now this is a PCE exclusive. Um. I don't know if you have seen my Facebook page today. Probably if you're on my 
either my personal Facebook page or my public Facebook page, or you follow my fan page, you have seen this post today because I was just plastering it everywhere because I am absolutely in love with it. Um, I have reached another milestone as a writer. And my book is now being printed at, as a pocketbook or what the rest of the entire world and me included call a paperback. Now, the one that is out, that came out originally, that is in the industry called paperback. And then the smaller one that everybody calls a paperback is actually called a pocketbook. I didn't know this. This was news to me. So anyway, I am now being printed in pocketbook size. Yay! And it has a brand new cover that I designed um, with the artist that did it. And I absolutely love it. It was a vision that I had while writing the book, actually. And it is um, a scene near the end of the book. Um, but yeah, it'll be... Um, I'll be selling it at PCE. So, yay me! I'm excited! And we will also have uh, Melissa Ridley-Elm's book, Arthurian Things... A collection of poems, and she is our open contract challenge winner. So we will have her book there. And Randolph R. Lofgren um, will also, he's one of the poets on um, The World of Myth. And he will be there selling his book his of poems, What Will Be, Will Be. Now, Because there are three writers from the world of myth that are going to be there selling their books, and, you know, one of them's a poet, and he's got a book deal, and he's selling his book. um, I heard around the water cooler that somebody was a little more emo than usual, and was a little pissier than usual, and that's one Mr. Kevin Magnus. So, yeah, he was he was a little cranky that he didn't get a book deal, you know. But, I mean, come on, dude. You're emo and miserable. Why would we give you something that was going to make you happy? We have to keep you emo and miserable. But um, you may see a book deal from for him coming in the future. So keep an eye out for that. Also, I have to scroll through the chit-chat. Um, last week, Dave was on a podcast called Pastrami Nation, and he will be a returning guest this week on Saturday. And I think they live stream it, too. Um, so you'll be able to, to catch that. And it's called Pastrami Nation, and Dave will be on that, I think. Yes. Okay. So I think that is it for housekeeping for now. And I was going to tell you, we are now down to 12 days, 13 hours, 28 minutes, and 33, 32, 31, 30 seconds. Dave, breathe. (laughs) Okay, yeah. Oh, wait, there was more housekeeping. I remember. I remember. There was more housekeeping. Uh, Yeah, so we'll have all three of those books. My book... Melissa's book and Randy's book will all be on sale at PCE. And in case anybody is wondering, because Dave has kind of been um, radio silence on social media other than the PCE posting, he is still alive. And 
I talked to him just before I started podcasting, and he seems to think he is still legally sane. Um, I didn't have the heart to tell him that he wasn't sane to begin with, because he took on this undertaking all by himself. But we're just going to let him, it's his, it's, it, we're just going to let him live in his delusion, okay? So nobody tell him. Just let him think he's legal, barely legally sane. And we'll just go with that, okay? Okay, thank you. All right, so we all know what this week is. This week, and I know you're all chomping at the bit going, is this she, is she going to shut up? Is she going to get to the magazine? Did she forget that it's magazine review? No, I didn't forget that it's magazine review. Now, as you've probably noticed, for those that didn't submit to the magazine, but that read the magazine, it was a smaller issue than usual. And the reason being is because our barely sane, illustrious leader, who, um, sorry, pause for Sam Elliott. Okay, carry on. Um, he is absolutely run ragged right now with PCE and getting everything set up and making sure tables will be delivered and chairs will be delivered and guests will be delivered. <laughs> so, um, he does, like I, I say this every month, he does all the coding by hand. Like he puts in the backslash for whatever by hand. So we made January's issue a little smaller and Everybody that was accepted, that had submitted for January's, there's, February's is going to be a pretty decent magazine. Okay, so we're going to jump in here and we're going to start with the Drabble and Flash. And we have one called Alien Exchange by Copper Rose. And I really want to see this fleshed out more. I want to see more of this story. I really enjoyed it. And it, 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 I came to an end and I'm like, wait a minute. No, no. Where's more? I want more. I absolutely love Copper Rose's writing. I really do. She always leaves me going, okay, where's more? I want more. Like she catches me right from the very beginning of the story and she hold whether it's a story, whether it's a poem, she holds my attention through the entire thing. And this little um, flash fiction is only, I think it's only about 250 words. Um, and it's the these aliens discussing things that they're going to do with the weather and the elements on Earth and how they're kind of controlling. You almost get the sense that, that, that it's a game to them. Um, so yeah, I really, really enjoyed it. And that's Copper Rose's Alien Exchange. So go check that out. And then we have um, a Drabble from Christopher Bice. And I tell you, you know, I really got to give props to people that can write these because I have tried and I can't. Not even close. And this one, this one it was, I found kind of the... See, all my writing, I've used, I have no words left. I've used all my words. Anyway, this one, as I was reading it, it struck a chord with me because, like I say, I follow an alternative spiritual path. And this it tells the story of um, 
a druid proving himself to the druid masters. And it's called The Test. I loved it. It, it, again, this one, I want, make this a story, a bigger story. I want more. <laughs> I want more. This to me seems like an excerpt out of a larger tale that there's so much more to this than what I'm reading. And I want to know what it is. I want to read it. So Chris, I want to read more of this. <laughs> this was really good. I really loved this. Um, and I love how, how it's, it's the cycle of life, death and birth and rebirth, death, birth and rebirth. And that's what the story is telling. So you have to go check it out. It's called The Test by Christopher Bice. And yeah, well done, Chris. Well done. I'm just, sorry, I'm creating a disaster here because it's 500 degrees in here. And I'm dying. I was wearing a sweater. I'm a little hot. So, okay. Moving right along at the speed of a flying turtle. Turtles don't fly and turtles are slow. In our fantasy section, we have newcomer Jay Agombar. I hope I pronounced your last name correctly. Not, I'm terribly sorry. And this one is called The Night Cyclist. Now, when I first read the title... And I saw that it was a fantasy. I'm thinking, okay, the night cyclist. It's going to have something to do with vampires. It's going to be dark. It's going to be that kind of fantasy. And let me tell you, I was surprised. And I don't surprise easy. I'm pretty good at being able to judge just from like, you know, the beginning of the story and the title, what kind of story it's going to be. And I, I was surprised. It was not what I expected at all. It was well written. It captured my attention. And it's a beautiful story with some really beautiful imagery and some beautiful messages and um, reminders to see the beauty around you, see joy in the small things, in, in the little things, in everyday things. So I really enjoyed the story. Um, it was well done. And like I said, it captured my attention and it was refreshing to read something that I was going into believing was going to be a dark, violent tale. As much as I love dark, violent tales, this was not. It was beautiful and uplifting and a, a wonderful read. So I really enjoyed that. And I highly recommend you. I highly recommend you go and check them all out. This is called The Night Cyclist by Jay Agombar. Okay. And that is our fantasy section. See, told you, small issue. Now over in horror, we have part three of Project RD. And I had read the entire story when it was first submitted before it was broken up into three parts. And I read it way back when it was first submitted. So I hadn't read part three, the final part, since I had first read the story way back, like three, four months ago. So it was refreshing to read this and um, 
catch up on the culmination of the entire um, rehab program for zombies. And I mean, I was really rooting for Alex. Let me tell you, I really was. He was doing so well. And when it came to the part where it said that the virus was reversing, I'm like, yes, okay, this is really cool. This is going to be a great ending. And it, yeah, it's one of those. I'm not going to give too much away because you really do need to go and read it. Um, but it, it's a great story. It really is. And I think it would, honestly, I think it would make a great movie. Um, I would love to see something like this played out on a big screen. I really would. It would be interesting to see how they handled it. And, I mean, budget-wise, it would be fairly cheap. Because it's pretty much shot in one building. So... Yeah, I really enjoyed it. It was a great culmination to the story, a great way to end it. I mean, you really, honestly, when you think about it, you couldn't have ended it any other way. And it does kind of leave you hanging and wondering. Because, I mean, there is that last line, it started all over again. So it makes you wonder, what happens? Do they keep Alex around? Or does he end up in the chamber with the, the, the guillotine where his buddy was. So, yeah. Well done, Michelle. Well done. That's Project RD Part 3, and that is in our horror section. Okay, so we're jumping over to Action and Suspense, and we have Liberty's Run Part 7, Volume 2 of the Liberty Schoenhauer series by Walter G. Esselman. <sighs> I can't tell you enough how much I have absolutely enjoyed this series. I love Liberty. Liberty is, is one of, she's my hero. She really is. She is a woman of few words and she kicks ass. I love her. Now I do have to take a moment for Bordeaux. Rest in peace, Bordeaux. Well, I'm going to say and carry on. So, and I love Uncle Danny. Uncle Danny's one of my favorites in, in the story. I really love him. I mean, I can hear his, his gruff, gravelly voice and, you know, his, his accent. I can hear it in my head as I read it. So this chapter sees us, um, they're in a, they're, obviously in an abandoned town and they're trying to get medical supplies and things like that. And there is a reference. I, I, I bust out laughing at this part about needing a bigger boat because you say that to the younger generation and they just kind of look at you blankly like what? They don't get the reference, but anybody 40 and over gets the reference. So yeah, there was a couple, there are a couple of one-liners and a couple of, of, um, culture, pop culture references in there that a younger generation wouldn't necessarily understand. So it's pretty funny. I, I enjoyed it. It was good. It had some heartfelt moments, um, some laughs. I did introduce a new creature. At least I think it was new. I don't remember seeing the bird-like creatures before. So, 
Yeah, I'm waiting for more. Walter, just saying. Waiting for more. Okay, so that is <clears throat> Liberty's Run Part 7 by <coughs> Walter G. Esselman. Okay, hang on, i got to pause for a drink of my bubbly. No, I'm not drinking champagne. I'm not drinking wine. I'm actually drinking a pop, or, well, since I'm in the States, I should probably call it soda, called Bubbly. And we have it at home, so I'm told. And it's it's nice to be able to drink a carbonated pop that has absolutely nothing in it. There's no calories, there's no sugar, there's no carbs, nothing. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. Look it up. Bubbly. B-U-B-L-Y. I've seen the commercials. They keep trying to call it buble. But anyway, yeah. So that's what I'm drinking. Okay, focus. Science fiction. Millennium Microbial. Now, this is from Jim Bates. And if you've been following his science fiction series, they are each standalone stories. But um, it is a series of stories. They're all connected. Um, and they're all about earth after we've pretty much destroyed it so this is i think oh number three yeah number three now this one is from the wife's point of view now now you're getting karen's point of view and what she the type of person that she is and what she does and how um she's surviving this new world basically and um like they they take days off your life for infractions, and I'm not exactly sure. I can't remember if it said in the first two stories how you're terminated when your time is up. <laughs> but yeah, so this goes into her side of the story and her um, her job and what she does for the new world. And I'm really enjoying this series. And it, it, it makes you think because a reality like this isn't that far off. You know, it really isn't. So it's kind of scary. So it's Millennium Microbial by Jim Bates. And that is in our sci-fi section. And now in humor. <laughs> Over in humor, we welcome back our ever-faithful golden retriever, Yum Yum. And in this installment of Yum Yum, he meets a Tasmanian devil. And let me tell you, I would not want to have to scoop the poop for a Tasmanian devil. Well, at least I thought that at first, until I read it and realized what a Tasmanian devil actually poops. In the Enchanted Forest. Now remember, this is the in the Enchanted Forest. So it's not your average Tasmanian devil. It's an enchanted Tasmanian devil. And the bunny, oh my god. The bunny bus driver. He just about killed me. He just about killed me. And he shows up in the cab at the end. <laughs> it's, oh, it's, it's, it's really, it's a really good series. And I'm really enjoying each installment that Darnell Curriton sends us. Because it's, it's fantasy and it's action, but it's funny. It's really funny. And I really enjoy, I love Maisie, you know. So, yeah, it's really good. Really good. 
So that is Yum Yum Meets a Tasmanian Devil by Darnell Curriton. And that is our humor. And that wraps up our stories for this month. Now, over in poems, we have On the Cusp of Spring by Holly Day. Now, I know it's not quite spring yet, but, you know, I'm in Florida. There's green grass and leaves on trees. So, (laughs) it's a beautiful poem and it perfectly describes spring to me. The smells, the sights, and but it does it in such a fantastical way with the fairy campsites and the castles and the rabbits talking at night and all of that. It's it's a wonderful little poem, and that's On the Cusp of Spring by Holly Day. And then we have Ruminate by John Gray. And again, this one is kind of like Jim Bates's story, where it makes you stop and, and think, okay, what are we doing? Where are we going? We need to stop and appreciate what we have around us. And, you know, stop and smell the flowers. Stop and look at the grass. Look up. Look up from your phone. Look up and see the stars. See the beauty of the universe above you. The vastness of it. You know, you look up and you realize just how small and insignificant you really are. So, that is Ruminate by John Gray. I'm waxing poetic tonight, aren't I? And then we have I Am Not a Crumbling Temple by Linda M. Crate. And it's it's a nice reminder to get out of your own head sometimes. At least that's how I read it. Now, poetry is open to interpretation by the reader. You have what the writer was trying to convey, and then you have the emotions that it elicits in the reader and how they relate to it. And I've tried to tell people this, that I've gotten upset, you know, oh, this person didn't understand my poem. They didn't get what I was trying to say. And I I try and, and explain to them that poetry is subjective. When you write poetry, you're writing it from your emotional perspective and your point of view. When somebody reads poetry... They take that emotion that you've put on the page and they translate it and relate it to an emotion that they're feeling as they're reading that that poem. So what you originally set out to convey as the message in that poem may not be what the person who reads it sees as the message. They may take a message from somewhere else in that poem or read it differently than how you had written it. So poetry is subjective. As with any writing, it's supposed to elicit a response. And if it's not what you intended the response to be, remember, they're seeing it from their emotional perspective. So I read this, and as I'm reading I Am Not a Crumbling Temple, I'm thinking, you know, 
I'm over 40 and you get meno belly and weight doesn't come off as easily as it does and your body feels like a crumbling temple. And I have to remind myself that I'm not falling apart. I'm not an abandoned building, a crumbling temple, uh, you know. And this poem was a good way of reminding me of that. So that is I Am Not a Crumbling Temple by Linda M. Crate. And then we have A Tragedy by Stephen Bruce. And it is a short four-line poem. And again, it makes you look internally into yourself. You turn those, those eyes in. And that's what this poem does. In four lines, it had me rethinking certain things that I had just kind of assumed was my lot in life or assumed this is how it was supposed to be. So that is A Tragedy by Stephen Bruce. Four lines, I guarantee you, they will make you think. Okay, art gallery. Now, you've seen the cover. You all know, you've heard my opinions on zombies more than enough times. I'm not going to give you my opinion again, other than to say, I have a heart. I, I, I can't look at the cover. And I'm not looking at the cover. I'm not. Thank you, Vincent May. It's a lovely picture, I'm sure. It made it to the cover. But it is late at night, and I have to go to bed, and I don't want to dream about zombies. Because it's well done. So, we're going to start with Balance by Alonzo Ross. And... It's really, there is so much going on in this picture to reflect balance. You know, the balance between the light and the dark. The balance between water and air. The balance between the cyclist on the bicycle. But not just the cyclist on the bicycle, but the position of her body. The legs have to be so far over for her in order to be balanced on the handlebars in the position that she's in. And anybody who's done gymnastics knows that position and knows just how far over you've got to get your feet. You almost pretty much have to have your butt over your head. <laughs> I used to do balance beams, so. Um, but there, it's not like, when you first look at the picture, you think, oh, the balance is her on the, you know, balancing on the bike but it's not there's so much more in the picture the balance between the colored sprays of the cream and the black um, there is a lot of balanced references in this picture so that is balanced by Alonzo Ross and then we have the picture I'm not going to look at zombie night by Vincent May which is what is gracing our cover and yeah, it's, it is a good picture. I will say that it is a good picture, but you know how I feel about zombies. Kind of up there with Freddy Krueger. Because they look the same. <laughs> so check it out. Don't take my word for it. Go check it out. Zombie Night by Vincent May. And then we have Golden Shape by Lally Napier. 
And now it's a very simplistic painting in that it's not, there's not a lot going on. It's a, you know, one colored background with this golden shape in it. Now, as a woman, to me, that is a very feminine shape. It is a woman, a woman's curves, you know, the big bust line, the tiny waist, the hips, the legs, it's all there. It's goddess shaped. And if you've seen the Willendorf goddess, you would know it's the same shape. So that is Golden Shape by Lally Napier. And I mean, it's two colors. It's red and it's gold. But there is so much in it. Okay. And then we have Spidey Villains by Dan Hammond. When it, there we go. Wait, nope. Hasn't loaded yet. Ah. Now, this is a black and white, I want to say pencil drawing. And it's all of the villains, or some of the villains from Spider-Man. And I bet you, if I got that wrong, somebody out there is going to tell me. So, it's, I, I, you know, my hat goes off to artists because I can't draw a stick figure. I really can't. So, I really like it. It's very detailed. There's a lot of intricate line work and shading in this picture. So, that's Spidey Villains by Dan Hammond. Now, over in reviews, we have Review of Jay and Silent Bob Reboot by Moviegoer Grimm. And I haven't seen the movie, so I am not going to read the review. I suggest you go read it. And then we have Book Review by Michael A. Arnold. And it's the review of Tom Holland's Rubicon, The Triumph Tragedy of the Roman Republic. And I love Michael's reviews. I really do, because he takes it a step further than just saying, yeah, it's a good book. This is what I liked about it. This is what I didn't like. You know. So go and check out his review. And then we have, I did the video game review this this month. I stepped in for Jeff and did the video game review of DreamWorks School of Dragons because, you know, I love How to Train Your Dragon and they now have a game and I'm playing it and I love it. And we have Art Review by Michael A. Arnold and it's a review review of Renee Magritte's The Treachery of Images. And this review, it'll make you think too because, you know, you've you're looking at something and you're thinking it's something and you realize it's not necessarily something. It's the representation of something. So go read that review. And then, hey, we have commentary from the founder, which I was told was not being, ah, yes, due to the heavy workload of the Jay Zaman Pop Culture Expo, I will be out of the office for the month of January. Happy 2020, everyone. With love and respect to you all. Bye, David K. Montoya. Okay, I was surprised to see that there was that said the commentary page. And no, there's no commentary because Dave is not sane. Just so you know. Okay, and then this month's interview was 
Mr. Ed Bickford. He was sent down into the Mythmaster's lair. And if you want to find out if he escaped, go listen to the best podcast not on the network. Just had to say that. I'm the best podcast on the network. And Mythmaster Unleashed is the best podcast not on the network. Just throwing that out there. Just making a correction. Because he likes to say that he is the best podcast in the Jaisalmon network. But what the Mythmaster... He must must be inhaling the gas fumes from his chainsaw or something. Because he isn't on the Jaisalmon network. He is exclusive to the World of Myth magazine. And appears at my discretion. <laughs> Remember that, Mythmaster. Anyway, as I was saying, <laughs> go check out Mythmaster's interview with Ed Bickford and listen to him talk about his artwork and how he all how it all started. So, my darlings, that is the magazine review for this month. And yeah, we got a few minutes. So I'm going to tell you something. I mentioned it last week. Oh, right. Don't forget to go and check out the magazine at www.blah, That's all, folks. <laughs> Don't forget to go check out the magazine at www.theworldofmyth.com. Vote for your favorite stories. Leave a comment for the contributors. Let them know if you liked it, if you didn't like it, why you didn't like it, your name, your address, your phone number, so they can call you up and tell you, you know, you suck. No, kidding. (laughs) I'm only kidding. I'm only kidding. Little slap happy. Remember that. So go over, read the stuff. It's a small issue. Won't take you long. Read the stuff. Check it out. Vote. Comment. Support. Support, support, support. Can't say that enough. Okay. So, since we have a few minutes left in the podcast, I wanted to share with you last week, um, I had mentioned to you, I was going to tell you about American gas pumps and Canadian gas tanks. Now, my mom has a Kia Rondo. Kia is the make of the car. Rondo is the model. Kind of like, you know, Dodge Ram pickup. This is a Kia Rondo car. I don't think they have Kia in the States, so you might have to, if you're American, you might have to Google it and see what I'm talking about. Anyway, so we're on our way down, and of course, you know, you need to stop for gas. So we stop at the first gas station, gas goes in fine, and it only takes like eight bucks and it clicks off. Oh, well, all right, cool. That was cheap. Get in the car and turn it on and it's full and we carry on our way. Then we get to the next one. And it only takes, I think like six bucks, something like that. And, um, no, <laughs> you have to pre-authorize. I was trying to pay by, um, my mom, like my mom wanted me to put it on her credit card. So I'm trying to pay by her credit card at the pump and it keeps asking me for a zip code. Well, we don't have zip codes in Canada. We have postal codes. So, we tried to use the zip code for where we were staying. Well, no, because it's not connected to the card. So 
yeah, I had to go in every single time and prepay for the gas. So I'm going in and I'm prepaying for like $10, $15 worth of gas because my mom's paranoid and we would stop for gas. Well, we were taking back roads, so there were long stretches and hours and hours and hours of highway where there wasn't a gas station. Heck, there wasn't even, you know, a building a lot of times. <laughs> so she would stop for gas if we were, you know, like between three quarters and half a tank. She'd stop and we'd fill up because you don't want to get caught without gas. So I'm going in and I'm authorizing like $10, $15 and I come out and it took six. And I get in the car and mom starts the car and she looks and she's like, well, it didn't quite fill it up. I'm like, well, it clicked off. What do you mean it didn't fill it up? And it stopped pumping. So we get to the next gas station. Now this gas station, the nozzle wouldn't go down into the hole. I'm like, what the heck? Okay, it's only in like maybe four inches, three inches at most. So I squeeze the handle and I get 32 cents and it clicks off. What? Hold on. Do it again. 27 cents clicks off. Okay, you know what? No, I know that's not full. <laughs> so I kind of move it around a little bit, angle it, you know, stick my tongue out, cross my eyes, and I squeeze it again, and I get $2.17. No. So I did this until I got it up to, I think it was like 11 bucks, maybe. And my mom's like, okay, you know what? That's probably good because every, I'd say, 50 to 75 cents, it would click off like it had, it was full. And I had a car that this would do that to it every once in a while. And it was because the floater in the gas tank that tells the nozzle that the gas tank is full would get, it had to kind of shake the car a little bit and put it back in place or something like that. Anyway, <coughs> um, so I thought, so I'm kind of rocking mom's car back and forth thinking that was a problem. So we get to the next gas station and yeah, no, same thing happened again. So this time I found if I squeak, barely squeezed it so that it was, the gas was going in at like one two, three, four, five, like that, cents at a time, it would keep a steady flow. And again, it's barely in the gas tank. Um, and I could get it close to full. Took a long time to do it. Thank God she didn't stop when we were almost empty. Or I'd probably still be there pumping gas. Now, we did find that um, racetrack was a good one. It, uh, it would at least let me put in 2 or $3 before it clicked off and I'd have to start again. Um, marathon was a good one. BP, not so much. BP was not a good one. Um, Circle K, nope, Shell, not a good one. 
No, that was the one I think I was getting like 15 to 27 cents at a time. Was the Circle K, the Shell? Yeah. No. So American gas pumps do not like Canadian cars. They, for some reason, the nozzles do not fit into the hole for the gas tank properly. And I'm not the only one that had experienced this. My mom mentioned it to my Annie Kathy, and she gave us a list of ones that they stop at that they know will work. And um, we tried to stop at those when we go out now. Um, yeah, it was not fun. Standing out there, pumping gas. I mean, it was good because I actually got to get out of the car and stretch my legs, but... I'm fighting with the gas pump. I mean, I have it almost twisted right upside down. <laughs> like, holy jump, barely squeezing it. And then my mom's moving around and she's talking to me. Like, no, no, hold your breath. Just don't talk. Don't talk. Hold your breath. Don't move. Shit, it's off. And it would click off. I'd have to start again and find that sweet spot. Barely squeeze it. So the gas is probably dripping out one drop at a time. But it's coming out. It's not clicking off. And I'm watching too because I know that... I'm running the risk of, because it keeps clicking off, I'm running the risk of it clicking off and actually being full and then putting more in and having it bubble up and come out because that's happened. You overfill it. And my mom's car um, will overfill very easily. So, yeah, that was an adventure. Pumping gas, let me tell you. Holy moly. <laughs> American pumps and Canadian cars do not go well together. Hell yeah. It just shows the difference between the two countries. I mean, you take for granted a lot of things that you do every day, like pump gas. You know, you expect to go to the gas station, put the thingy in the hole, pour the handle, the gas comes out, it goes into the tank, it kick, it's full, you take it out, you put it back in the pump, you turn your car on, you got a full tank of gas. One would think. That's how it works. You do it every week. Sometimes you do it every day. And then you travel and you go to a foreign, a different country, you know. But the countries are similar. We just crossed the line. <laughs> it's not like I got into a plane and flew halfway around the world where the plugs in the walls are different. I went across the line and drove for 19 hours. So, you would assume the pumps would be... No, they're not. They're not. Just, you know, they're not. Letting you know. They're not. Okay. So, I think I'm going to end this here because I do want to do a bit more writing tonight. I want to have this book finished tomorrow. <laughs> I want to type the words the end. Um, it's not that I'm, I'm not enjoying writing this book. It's a ghostwriting job, though, so... It's not one of my personal passion projects. Anyway, so next week, um, I'm going to be a nervous Nelly because I will be finishing up my packing and getting on a plane Monday morning and heading to California for PCE. I'm flying in a week early because there's things that still need to be done. And Dave's not sane now, so I might have to... Check him out of the funny farm when I get there. Anyway, so next week, um, I'm not going to guarantee that there's going to be a podcast. 
Well, there will be a podcast. It just might be a little late. <laughs> Sorry, Chris. Um, and the announcement for member of the month is going to be done on our Facebook page. And it may be done live, maybe. We'll see. There might be a special guest helping me do the announcement. <laughs> so stay tuned. So, because interesting things are going to happen. Anyway. Um, yeah, so check us out on Facebook. www. Wait, hold on. Let me try that again. Check us out on Facebook at The World of Myth Magazine and The World of Myth Bits Podcast. You can find me on Facebook at uh, author Stephanie Barty. And also you can check out Jay Zoman's Pop Culture Expo on Facebook. And you can find, if you want more information, you can go to jayzomanspopcultureexpo.com or pcehd.com and get more information. You can find us on Twitter at theworldofmythbits.com. The World of Mythbits. Yeah, Dave, you need to do theworldofmythbits.com. Okay, the World of Mythbits podcast and the World of Myth magazine on Twitter and Lupa B, that is me, on Twitter. And then we are on Instagram. There's Jason Mons Pop Culture Expo on Instagram and me, Stephanie Barty Author. And I think that is pretty much everywhere we are at the moment. You can check out my website at www.stephaniebarty.me. And I will nervously chat at you all next week as I get prepared to get on a big silver tube, metal tube, that is going to go in the air. And I'm going to pray that it doesn't fall out of the air. All right, till next week. See y'all. Bye. The World of Mythbits.